Guys, let's go back to the gospel according to St. Luke, the eighth chapter. And we've been dealing with the seed principle over the last three weeks. This will be our fourth and final lesson on the seed principle. And as we uh, looked at this particular parable that Jesus gave, a parable I think that, that is, is well worth us making the concerted effort to understand the principles behind it. Um, you know, as we look at this, this parable, we see the process that, that we, you and I must uh, go through in order to make sure that the seed is planted in the right type of soil. Because what do we learn? We learn that the problem is not the seed, but it's what? It's the soil. And again, as Jesus explained this parable to his disciples, we know that the seed represents what? The word of God. The soil represents what? The condition of man's heart. And so that's why you can have a church body where you see some people grasping the word and it's producing fruit in their lives and others are frustrated and, and maybe you see no fruit whatsoever. It depends on what type of soil that seed lands in. And again, uh, seed landed in the right type soil, the good ground soil will produce the fruit that the Bible promised that it would. So in the gospel according to St. Luke, look at chapter number eight, and we'll start our reading at verse number eight, Luke eight and eight, if you will. It says, still other seed fell on fertile soil. This seed grew and produced a crop that was a hundred times as much as had been planted. How many of you know you reap more than what you plant? You reap more than what you sow. And that's, that's uh, on the positive side and on the negative side. So many times when it comes to uh, planting seed or when we hear that term, you reap what you sow, most of the time that's given what? In a negative connotation. What do we tell you? But, but baby, you better be careful because you're going to reap what you sow. Uh, tell me that because I'm going to sow some good seed. <laughs> Keep on telling me that because I'm, I'm going to sow some good seed. And that, that principle applies not only on the negative side, but even more so on the positive side. So if I'm planting seed into good ground, then I am going to reap what I sow, right? He says, still other seed fell on fertile soil. This seed grew and produced a crop that was a hundred times as much as had been planted. When he had said this, he called out. When he had said this, he called out. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and should understand. Skip down to verse 15 with me right quick. Verse 15 says, and the seeds that fell. Now here Jesus is explaining uh, what the parable meant because the disciples asked him about that. And the seeds that fell on the good soil represent what? Honest, good-hearted people who hear God's word, cling to it, and patiently produce a huge harvest. So the seeds that fell on the good soil represent honest, good-hearted people who hear God's word and not only hear, but what do they do? They cling to it and patiently produce a huge harvest. Patiently produce a huge harvest. Now, again, look at our lesson, uh, our lesson goal uh, for, for tonight. The goal of this lesson is to identify the good soil in our lives and develop ways in which we can nurture, uh, nourish, and encourage the gospel seed in that soil to take root and grow to its full potential, free from distractions, disturbances, and impediments. What's an impediment? What's an impediment? The word impediment means what? Come on, talk to me. 
okay, something that stops you. An impediment is something that stops you, something that, that's, that, that, that stops progress. So, so we want to make sure that we as a body of believers are, are allowing the seed or we are, we are doing everything that we can to let that seed take root and grow to its full potential. All of us in here have potential. You remember there's a scripture that says this. It says, God has dealt to every man what the measure of faith. God has dealt to every man, every born again man, the measure of faith. What, what does that tell us? That tells us that all of us start at our born again experience with the same measure of faith. It said the measure, not a measure, right? The measure of faith. So that means that whenever I uh, as, as an individual uh, decide that I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. I believe that he was God manifest in the flesh. I believe that he was born in the manger in Bethlehem. I believe that he died on the cross of Calvary. I believe he was buried and he was resurrected the third day morning according to the scripture. And I trust that sacrificial death as the mechanism that gets me into a right relationship with God. I don't trust my goodness. I don't trust uh, how many times I come to church. I don't trust how much money I get it put in church. I don't trust uh, the fact that, that, that I served on the usher board. I don't trust the fact that I sang in the choir or deaked on the deacon board. I don't trust the fact that I preach. I trust the fact that Jesus did what he did out on Calvary. And me receiving that allows me to be in a proper relationship with God. And I trust that. So when I do that, that means I have the measure of faith. Now, again, how does faith grow? We know that faith cometh by and hearing by what? So all of us start with the same measure, but our faith has to grow. It's, it's like a muscle. If you don't work the muscle, the muscle don't get stronger, right? Any of y'all ever lift weights before? Let me see your hands if you ever lifted weights before in your life. I mean, ladies can lift weights too, right? Right? Is that right? All right. You know, you know when, when you're lifting weights, one of the things that happens when you're lifting weights, especially the first time you start lifting, if you ever start lifting, is, is that uh, after you do that first workout, the next day you, you're okay. You, you, you're like, oh, I did a workout yesterday. But it seemed like that next day, that second day, what are you doing? You, you, you can't hardly move, right? Because those muscles, because you are working them, are producing some pain, right? I think it's sort of like that when it comes to our, uh, when we start to work our faith muscle. Because uh, sometimes we work our faith muscle, we don't always see the results that are promised in God's word immediately, do we? And we have to walk through some things. We have to, we have to, we have to visualize what God's word says because we can't look at what we're seeing in front of us because even though we did what God told us to do, even though we were obedient to the word of God, we don't see the results right away. Correct? And so sometimes that'll pain us when we start working uh, the, 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 the measure of faith that's on the inside of us. But that measure can produce, amen, a lot of stuff that's already in the seed all of us have that potential that is there in the seed, but we got to work it out. Everybody say work it out. So, so when we look at this, look at this, what Jesus is telling us here in this passage, if you look at your outline, it, it, it's very important for us to realize that, that we got to cultivate the seed. We got to cultivate it. Just coming and hearing me preach 
And just showing up at, on Sunday morning for Sunday school is not enough to cultivate the seed. OK, it's going to take more than that. All right. So uh, and again, when I say it takes more than that, I'm not talking about working to, to make the seed happen. I'm talking about receiving what the seed uh, receiving the potential of that seed in our heart and allowing God's word and the Holy Spirit to do its perfecting work on the inside of us. OK, is everybody still with me? So so as, as we get into this text here, uh, the, the thing I want you to realize is that that uh, when the seed of God word grows in the right soil, it changes our distorted image that we have. Because all of us, the Bible says we're born in sin and we were shapen in iniquity. Everybody say, I was born in sin and I was shapen in iniquity. Okay, because all of us were born in sin and shaped in iniquity, we have a distorted soul. Okay, our soul, our soul is distorted. Because again, remember we said we are, we are a triune being, right? We are a spirit, we possess a soul, and we live in what? So we are spirit, what? Soul, and what? Body. Which, part, which one of those three parts is actually born, born again? Our spirit man is born again. Your flesh is not born again, right? The Bible says no good thing dwelleth where? In the flesh. So if my, my flesh is not born again, that means that I got to do something with my flesh. Remember when Paul said this? Paul says, I, I, I have to die daily. Paul says, I got I to gotta bring my flesh under subjection to my spirit man and hopefully in connection with my soul ram so that it won't do stuff that it is not supposed to do. Right. So that means that, that 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 as long as I'm born again, I still have to discipline my flesh with the help of the Holy Spirit, because the flesh, if there's no good thing, thing that dwells in it, it'll get loose and do the stuff that it, it used to doing. Right. Remember the Corinthian church on Sunday? How many know the Corinthian church was a fleshy church? And they were doing things of the flesh. It's because they did not allow or uh, they did not discipline their flesh to come under the control of their spirit man. OK, so but our soul ram is distorted and it has to be brought in line with the spirit man so they can double team the flesh. How many of y'all know your flesh needs to be double teamed? I, let me say it again. How many of you know your flesh needs to be double teamed by your spirit and your soul? Because the soul is what's born again, right? No, the spirit is what's born again. The soul ram, which includes your emotions, your intellect, your feelings, your thoughts, your choices, your decisions, uh, those things have to be brought, have to be, have to be brought under subjection. Go to James chapter one with me right quick. James one. Can we move that right quick? James chapter number one. And let's start at verse number 19. James one, verse number 19. Now here James is talking. To believers. And notice what he says here in verse number 19. Come on, let's go. He says this. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Y'all heard us read that countless numbers of times. Quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to get angry. Everybody say quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Tell me why is that so hard to do sometimes? Why is it hard to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry? Why is that? Why is that? Because of our flesh? 
because of our soul realm. The soul, listen, the soul realm is distorted because we're all born in sin and shaped in iniquity. Our spirit man is reborn, but our soul, amen, has to be dealt with, right? So, so it's, it, when, when we don't effectively deal with those distortions, it makes it difficult to be quick to listen. In other words, you're sitting there, somebody's telling you something, and you, you, you just can't almost, you almost can't even hold, hold it back. You're just sitting there just waiting for a break so you can jump in and tell them what you think. Is that anybody here? Is that anybody here to struggle with that sometimes? You're sitting there, you're like, mm, I know what Pastor said, but I just got to tell him he's just wrong. He's just wrong. Listen, hear him out. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Next verse, come on, verse 20, let's read. Human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. 21, let's go. So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word God has planted where? Humbly accept the word of God. Humbly accept the word God has planted where? In your hearts. Now, that's, we're going back to what our scripture reference, the parable that Jesus talked about in Luke, the eighth chapter, with the parable of the seed or the sower. The seed represents what? The word of God. The condition of the soil represents what? The condition of man's heart. He says, humbly accept the word that what? God has planted where? In your hearts. For it has the power to do what? It has the power to save or to transform your souls. Your, your thought processes, your emotions, your intellects, your choices, all that stuff compiles, helps compile the soul realm. That inward you, that inward core, that, that's really, when you get down to it, when people want to know who you are, that inward you, it's, it's your choices, your decisions, your emotions, your intellect, and how you think about life. That soul realm has to be transformed, has to be renewed, has to be saved, because if not, it'll team up with your flesh and do some devilish stuff. Can I get a witness up in here? All right, so, so again, so get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly... Accept the word God has planted in your heart, for it has the power to save your souls. Amen? Now, now again, it, it, it's very important for us. Now, go, go to 22. Read 22 right, for good measure. He says, but don't just listen. Here, he says, God has planted the word, seed of the word in your heart. Uh, he says, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. Let's read it out loud and on purpose. Ready? Read. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only doing what? You are only fooling yourselves. When we as a body of believers listen to God's word, when we as a body of believers come in here on Sundays and Wednesdays, and you, you, you are patiently sitting there listening to me share what I, what I'm sharing with you. I'm telling you what God's word says and based on uh, what we're reading from the scripture text. But if you only listen to that and you don't do what it says, then, then all of us in here who do that, we're in self-deception. We are fooling ourselves into thinking that we are, we are at a place in God that we're not at. Because when we hear word but refuse to do word, we are deceiving our own selves. We are thinking we are deeper than we really are. We think we're better and farther alone than we really are. But true 
amen, fruitfulness from the seed of the word will, will be produced when we become doers of that word and not just hearers, okay? So let's get back to the, the gospel according to St. Luke, the eighth chapter right quick. Look at our, our lesson points uh, from, from our scripture, okay? All right, so we know that we don't want to be just doers of the word. Uh, KJV says this, I think, in, 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 it says, receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls, which is able to help transform that soul realm, how you think, the emotional realm, your thought processes, your choices, okay? The, the, the engrafted word, the word that's supplanting your heart has the potential to transform that, that part of us. And that's the part of us that needs to be dealt with, okay? Because if we don't deal with that part, it's going to team up with the flesh and do some stuff that God doesn't want us to do, right? Because God abides in our spirit, man. The spirit is the candle. The spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. That's where God abides. That's, what, that's what's born again. So if we get back to Luke the eighth chapter. Lesson point number one. Let's look at it right quick. The goal is not to fix the distortion, but to grow the seed in our souls. I told you that all of our souls are distorted. Why? What? Real quickly, why is our soul distorted? Because every last one of us was born in sin. And we were shaping in iniquity. All of us have a sin nature. So as a result, none of us can proclaim how good we are because when it really comes down to it, none of us are good enough in our own strength, in our own intellect, in our own, in our own fleshly body. We're not good enough. So we're born in sin and shaping in iniquity. So as we look at this, the goal is not to fix the distortion, but to grow the seed in our soul. If that seed grows, that seed has to potential, amen, to transform our souls and not just fix the distorted sinful nature. We Listen, guys, the sin nature will be with us. All of us, as long as we're in this body, have the capacity to do wrong. All of us, while we're here in these bodies, have the capacity to do stuff that doesn't line up with who we say we are. Question for you, right quick. How many of you will be honest enough to say that, you know, Pastor, since I've been born again, you know, there's some things I've said that I wish I could take back. Amen. Pastor, there are some things I've done. Man, I, t- I, I don't know. I mean, you know, I, I just did it, Pastor. I mean, I, I, I realized it wasn't right because you preached about that two years ago. And, but, but it seems like it's just something inside of me said, go for it. You know what that is? Your sin nature. Your sin nature is going to say, go for it. Hello? You remember the, the video we showed on Sunday? That young man, first thing he said was, this girl that he was dating was aggressive. How many of you know girls are aggressive nowadays? Hello? Do we have any aggressive ladies in the house? I mean, aggressive in a good way? Let me change that. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. I, I, that, that was not a fair question, was it? If you were, I wouldn't expect you to tell me that you're aggressive. Because some of y'all tell me, yeah, I just I find out what I want, Pastor, and I go get it. But young, the young man said, well, you know, you know, hey, hey, hey I'm, a, I'm a guy. She was aggressive, and so, hey, I gave in. Guys, let me tell you something. 
our sin nature will always be with us. But it does not have to and it should not ever dominate us. The Corinthian church had a, 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 a church full of people who were allowing their sin nature to trump their spiritual nature. They were allowing their sin nature to overcome the, the seed of the word of God that had been supplanted in their hearts. And so as a result, they were a church that, that Paul had to call, call them out because of their, 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 their lawlessness or their sinfulness that was running rampant inside the church. And guys, if we're not careful, we'll find ourselves yielding to that sin nature. But we don't have to because we got the seed of God where the goal is not to fix the distortion, but to grow the seed in our souls. Second Corinthians 5 and 17, y'all already know it. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. As believers, we already possess the seed of God's word. We already possess the seed of God's word because in order for you to get saved, you had to hear a message about Jesus and his sacrificial death. Somebody told you about that. And, and again, if you think about it, from the days of Jesus' original 12 disciples, they discipled the whole world. Because through their ministering and through their sharing, people believed and they told somebody who told somebody who told somebody who told you, right? And so when you heard the, you heard the message and God chose the foolish, you know what? Preaching to get men saved. The seed of the word, you receive that and you believe in his death, burial, and resurrection. And so as a result, God says, I count you as one of my own. You are my child because you receive the sacrificial offering that I gave for you out on Calvary. Amen? Are y'all still with me today? So, again, we need to grow because the new life we have received is in seed form. We need to grow because the new life that we have received is in seed form. That's why when a person first gets born again, uh, uh, they, they, th- there's nothing appreciably different it, about their lifestyle usually immediately. Okay? That's why we have to grow, right? As newborn babies desire the sincere milk of the word that we may what? Grow thereby. So again, as a born-again believer, hear me carefully, we need to grow because the new life we have received is in seed form. We receive the word into our hearts. We receive the word that talked about Jesus dying on Calvary for our sins, being crucified, buried, and resurrected. We receive the seed of that word, but when you receive that and say, Jesus come to my heart to save me, that seed has potential, but it has to grow Hello, it has to grow and offer it to be reflected on the outside. Remember the scripture, work out your own salvation with fear and in trembling to work it out. The salvation that took place inwardly has to be worked out so that people can see that there is a change that's taking place in your life. That, there, that there's fruit that's being produced because of you do truly have the seed of God's word on the inside of you. But that potential will not be evident if there is no growth in our lives. That's why you, you can have people sitting in church and, and, and you go to work, people don't know that they're really born again because there's no growth of the seed on the inside of them, okay? But remember, what's the problem? Is the problem the seed? The problem is what? The soil. 
What type of soil is that seed being planted into? We are born as spiritual babies, not fully grown adult Christians. We all know that, right? Because the Bible tells us about, Paul talking about the Corinthian church, well, they were baby Christians. You are bathed in Christ. I cannot tell you stuff that I want to tell you because you can't handle it yet. Peter told them to grow as newborn babes desire to assist him because the words you may grow thereby. We are born as spiritual babies, not fully grown adult Christians. We need to be reminded that there's nothing wrong with the seed that is in us, but it's the condition of the soil that, that's going to determine whether or not we see that fruit being produced. The problem is that our soil may not be a good environment for that seed to grow in. So we got to check ourselves. We got to look at the the condition of our hearts. Look at the next part outline we talked about. So so the first thing we say is what? The goal is not to fix the distortion, but to grow the seed in our souls. Because we have a distorted sinful nature that's going to always be there with us. But it doesn't have to dominate us. Okay? It does not have to, we don't have to allow it to dominate us. Are you listening to me today? Okay? We do not have to allow it to dominate us. It dominates us whenever we don't allow, when we don't put the right conditions for that seed to grow in the proper soil so that we can begin to see that fruit in our lives. Okay? Look at number two right quick. All right? Y'all still with me? The soul might rebel against the growth process. Now, again, uh, why would our soul rebel against the growth process? Why would it rebel? Well, because, again, for the longest, the soul has been yoked up with what? The flesh. For the longest, particularly before we were born again, and even after we were born again, if we're still carnally minded, if we, have, if we hadn't put the right condition of our hearts in place, then the seed of the word may be coming to us, but it may be on wayside type hearts. It may be on uh, 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 the type heart that, that, that receives the word of God, but, but as soon as uh, it gets hot in the kitchen, As soon as tribulation comes, because that seed didn't have any root, it begins to wither and die when trouble comes your way. Because again, I told you before, the first thing the devil is after when you leave church is that word that you've heard. He's coming for the word that you've heard. He's coming for the word on finances. He's coming for the word on marital relationships. He's coming for the word on on your church member, the church member relationships. He's come for the word on, on your mind, having a sound mind. He'll, he'll bring thoughts to your mind telling you, you, you you don't have it up here. Something's gone wrong with you. He's coming for the word. But what we got to do is make sure that we don't allow him to steal what's been planted. Amen. We got to get it from our head down into our hearts. Okay. When it's planted in our hearts, the, David said, thy, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not what? Sin against thee. All right. So we got to make sure that we put the, the seed of the word of God, amen, in the right place because the soul might rebel against the growth process. Even as believers, we can resist and reject the word of God when we don't like what it says. Like I, I need I need some confession tonight. How many of y'all ever heard a scripture or a, a theme taught from this pulpit since you've been a member that it did you didn't quite it didn't quite sit well with you. Or, or, or it didn't quite you like, well, you know, I, I know Pastor saying that, but he just don't understand what I'm dealing with. Anybody ever been there before? You know, I I, I used to be accused, and maybe I still am accused by some of the brothers in the church that I'm I'm just too hard on the brothers. You know, brothers said that I'm just too pastor, he all he do is talk about the men. You know why I talk about the men? 
because I'm one of them. And you know why I talk about us? It's because God called us to lead. And you know, he called us to lead. That's what it means. That means that we're responsible. You can't, you can't be in a leadership role and then don't want to be responsible when stuff don't go right. That's just like a head coach. Head coach is responsible when things don't go right. Are y'all following me? And when it don't go right, guess what happens? Who gets fired? Huh? You know, this past NFL season, they had about eight or nine coaches that were on the chopping block. They called it Black Monday. That's the, that's the Monday after the last game of the regular season. You usually see at least four, five, six, seven coaches getting fired. The coach didn't play one down. He didn't, he didn't, he, as a matter of fact, it is against the rules for him to be on the playing field while play is going on. Then he didn't have, he, he, he didn't play one play. But guess what? He's, he got fired. Why? Because he is responsible. You, you can't lead and not want to take responsibility. Well, now, you can try to do it. That's what a lot of people try to do. They, they want to lead and they want to take responsibility when it's going good. But when it goes bad, you want to blame somebody else. God, the woman you gave me. Pastor, those folks at work made me cuss like that. Oh, they really did? Can't nobody make you sin. All right? My point is, we have to take responsibility. And if you're going to lead, take responsibility. So, so again, listen, if something goes down in the church, then ultimately, guess who God will come back to? I can't point at y'all. Well, you know, pastor, them people you gave me, you know, they, they don't want to work, they don't want to do nothing. And, and I, I hear Preachers say that all the time. You know, you know, it's the people. Uh, you know, I hadn't went to a conference yet where they said, well, my, the church is not doing what it's supposed to do because I, I'm not providing the proper leadership. Most guys don't want to say that. All right. But guess what? Guess who God holds responsible? The under shepherd. So so when it comes to leadership, I want to challenge us to be the best leaders we can possibly be. And I and, and my expectation is as a pastor is for men to lead in their families. My expectation is a pastor, because of what the Bible says, men should lead their families spiritually and not their wives. I got two amens, okay? So that's why, that's because, if, if, but, 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 if, but if men are not spiritual, you can't lead spiritually if you're not being spiritual. Are you with me tonight? Guys, let me tell you something. God loves every last one of us. And so he wants to challenge us to be the best Christian we can possibly be. And, and that entails allowing the seed of God's word to, to produce what it's capable of producing. But, but, but to be honest about it, our soul might rebel against the growth process. Because if you listen to me preach and, and you get upset because I say something that hits your, comes to your wheelhouse, then, then that's your soul realm rebelling. Because I promise you, when we look into the scripture text and dissect the word of God, we're going to share with you uh, what what the word of God says. Go, go with me right quick, because, again, we all we all end up having to face some trials and some tribulations. Right. We all have to deal with some stuff uh, and we all have to realize that 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 things are going to come to our our to our house that sometimes is not pleasant. Life is going to throw us some curveballs sometimes. Right. The question is, what are you going to do when that happens? How are you going to respond? Are you going to allow the seed 
to take root and germinate or you're going to just, you know, just just kind of throw your hands up in there and just give up. Look at what the text says. You go to first Corinthians um, chapter number. Uh, go, go with me through first Corinthians chapter number 10. I think that's where I want to go. Verse number 12. Go to verse number 12. This is this is real important because, again, I, I don't want anybody here to be overconfident in their own flesh and their own self. But I, I also don't want you to be uh, lack confidence in the power of God to work on the inside of you. Every last one of us in here have the capacity to let that seed take root and germinate and produce fruit. God has dealt to every one of us in here the measure of faith. And so we don't want to ever get to the point to where we feel like um, that, that we are not capable or, or that we get overconfident in our own self. Either way, either way is bad. When I think I got it all together and I can't mess up, that's bad. And when I when when I don't have the confidence uh, to be that I'm able to overcome the stuff that's coming my way, that's bad too. The seed of the word of God should produce the confidence in us that we can fulfill God's ordained purpose for our lives. Look at what Paul told the Corinthian church here uh, in this tenth chapter in verse number twelve. Can y'all read with me right quick? It says what. If you think you are standing strong, be careful not to fall. Next verse says what? The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. Now watch this. Stop right there. What, what, is, that, what is he saying? Paul tells the Corinthian church, remember the Corinthian church that we're studying on Sunday morning, that had all kinds of turmoil going on inside of it. He tells them the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. Is that what he said? But now look at the next part. He says what? And God is what? He's faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will what? Show you a way out so that you can endure. That means that whatever comes my way, Tiffany, God says that he won't allow it to be such that I can't stand it. Whatever temptation comes my way, he says, listen, I'm faithful. I'm not going to allow you to be tempted above that which you're able. In other words, we have the capacity on the inside of us as born-again believers because we have the seed of the word of God on the inside of us. We have the capacity to overcome any temptation. Is that what he says? He says he's faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. We talked about that on Sunday, right? He will show you a way out so that you can endure. So, so, even as believers, again, we can resist and reject the word of God when we don't like what it says. And when our flesh don't like what it says, it'll it'll reject the word of God. I was talking a Sunday and we'll deal a little bit more with it on, 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 on this coming Sunday. But we were talking about sexual sins. And guys, I'm not naive enough to believe that that everybody received what I was saying. There are people who, who don't think it's anything wrong for a man and woman just to live together. Uh, in sin without covenant relationship. There are many of you sitting here right now who don't believe there's anything wrong if a man and a woman are dating to engage in sexual intercourse. Because after all, it's a natural thing to do, right? Is that natural? 
Is, 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 it, is it natural? Okay. But God says, I want you to reserve that until the marital relationship. Did the word change since, because we're in 2019? Did it change? Should we still preach it? Okay. <laughs> I promise you, there's somebody's flesh was saying, well, you know, that ain't for me. But the word of God is still true. It's still alive and it's still sin. I don't care if you do it, I do it, whoever do it. Sexual immorality is wrong according to the word of God. Fornication, homosexuality, lesbianism, adultery, bestiality, all that stuff is wrong according to the word of God. So we're going to have to preach it. So how you receive that is going to determine whether or not you will, will be able to let that word produce the fruit in your life. Okay. The cure for rebellion is to receive the word in godly humility. The key to rebellion is to receive the word in godly humility. Humbly receive the word. What does that mean? That means that when I am taught a spiritual principle, I first of all check and see if what is being taught lines up with scripture. And if it lines up with scripture, I have a decision to make from a child of God, which it really shouldn't be a decision to make. You're, all of our decisions should be when I know what God's word says, I'm going to be obedient to that word. Obedience has nothing to do with how you feel about it. Can I, can I get your attention right quick? Obedience has nothing to do with how you feel about it. Obedience is a decision to say, I'm going to do what God's word says do. To be honest about it, guys, there are some times when our feelings or our emotions don't want to go with the word. Have you ever been, been obedient to the word of God and your flesh started feeling sorry for itself because you weren't giving it what it wanted? I just need somebody to help me in here. I mean, your flesh, your flesh starts feeling sorry for itself because you got up and walked out when, when, when the touching got a little too heavy. I got one well. I hear some minds thinking about it. In other words, you as a born-again believer knew that things were getting ready to get out of hand. How do you know it was getting ready to get out of hand? Because you know how it gets out of hand. So, <laughs> your flesh wanted to indulge, but your spirit man, because it connected with the soul realm that had been uh, revived or transformed by the word of God, your soul and your spirit man teamed up and told the flesh, flesh, you got to get up and leave. Now, while your flesh was getting up and leaving, your flesh was still wanting what it wanted. Am I the only one of him that's been there? Well, y'all looking at me like, like, like I'm talking grown-up talking. You ain't a grown-up. See, I, I'm, I'm going to be real. And, you're, and your, flesh, your, your flesh is sitting there thinking... You don't, need, you don't need to leave right now. Just stay right here. It's going to be all right. Just one time will not hurt. And it could be some of anything. I, I'm, you know, 
whether it's sexual immorality, whether it's whether it's uh, uh, you know drinking alcohol, whether it's smoking, whatever you're smoking, whatever it is, your flesh will tell you, uh, it, it, you know, just stay right here. It'd be okay. But when your when your soul ram matches up with your spirit ram, and you decide to be obedient to the word of God, sometimes you, you, your flesh still wants to reject what the word of God says. Am I right about it? Am I the only one that's experienced that? But the cure for rebellion, again, is to receive the word of God, receive, receive the word of God with humility in our hearts so that we respect that word so much so that we say, you know what? I know what I want to do. I know what emotionally what it's telling me to tell her. Uh, emotionally, I want to tell her off. How many of y'all ever want to tell somebody off before? You know, telling folk off can have some, 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 some dire consequences when it don't really have to be. Now, you may feel good after you told them off. But then by the time you get home and figure out that you, didn't get, you, you don't have a paycheck coming next week because you told that person off, a customer, because if you, listen, how many of y'all ever worked in customer service business where you, where you uh, had people come in and you had to serve them? You know, the public can be something else. And Christians can be something else when they go to these places of establishment. I know personally, I've seen some of them. And I've heard people tell me about it. But, but again, think about this for a second. If you're in a place of employment and, and you tell that customer off, that customer is why you have the job, all things being equal. Now, I'm not talking about somebody who's just being, you know, just, you know, no, you don't have to sit there and take uh, verbal abuse, but you don't return verbal abuse with verbal abuse, Right? What you do is you go to your manager and say, listen, I, I, I'll, I'll let you talk to my manager because you're not, we're not, no, no, we're not going there. Okay, let's talk to the manager. All right? But you can't afford to go off on that person or go off on somebody who's your supervisor because you didn't agree with a decision that was made. God teaches us about respecting the authority that we're up under, even in the place of employment. So that's a way that we have to conduct ourselves. But guys, our flesh will sometimes won't don't want to obey what our spirit man is telling us. The question is going to be, who are we going to yield to? Look at point number three in the outline. We will bear fruit when our soil is good and conducive to growth. What again, what is the soil? What is the soil? The condition of man's heart, what is the seed? So the word has to be planted in the good soil, right, in order to produce the harvest or the potential that that seed has. God's within that seed of the word of God is planted with us, we have healing. Within that seed, we have, we have, we have prosperity. Within that seed, we have, we have victory in this life. Within that seed, we have the power, amen, to, to share the word of Christ with somebody and get them saved and transform their lives. The seed of that word has so much potential, but I'm afraid that our churches are not experiencing that potential because the, the condition of the member's heart is not at a point to where it's cultivating that seed and producing the fruit that God says all of us have the potential to do so. So the thing I want each one of us to do as we talk about the seed principle is look at our own hearts and see how receptive am I to God's word? Do I, do, when I come and listen to Pastor Adams, when I come to our, our Sunday morning discipleship classes, am I really listening with the intent of how do I apply this to my life 
Or am I listening with the intent so I can just give some discussion points and, and, and get some stuff off my chest? What, what's, what's the condition of your heart? Are you ready to receive that seed so it can produce? Or are you just there, just kind of be there because you think this is the, the thing you got to do out of obligation to the, to the ministry? And that because, you know, you, you, it looked bad if you didn't go because you're an officer of the church. What, what is it? What is it? I, I, I submit to you when we start conditioning our hearts to receive that seed, we'll see monumental growth in this church because each one of us out there will be uh, vessels that God is utilizing to minister to others. So I want to make sure that we realize that we will bear fruit when our soil is good and conducive to grow. There are three characteristics of the spiritual fruit we are to produce as Christians. Number one, fruit is always visible. Everybody say fruit is always visible. Don't tell me you're producing fruit and I can't see nothing. Fruit is always what? Visible. Number three, number two, what? Fruit does not consume itself unless it's rotten. I said fruit does not consume itself unless it's rotten. See, fruit, look at, look at point number three and I'll go back to number two. Fruit is always for the benefit of others. If you are producing something and all you can do is brag about what you're producing and how good what you produce makes you look, you rotten. Oh, you listen to me. How many of y'all have ran across those Christians who all they can do is talk about themselves rather than pointing people to Jesus? Look at it one more time. These three right here. Fruit is what? Always visible. Fruit does not consume itself unless it's rotten. And number three, fruit is always for the benefit of others. God allows us to produce fruit so that people, Brother Reuben, can be blessed by the fruit that we produce. That's why I tell y'all, when you look at 1 Corinthians 12, chapter, we talk about spiritual gifts. Every last one of you all in here who are born again believers have a spiritual gift. You got a spiritual gift that God wants to utilize to help bless somebody else. But if you don't cultivate it, if you don't learn how what that gift is and begin to, to, to let it take root and produce, amen, that gift and it's a blessing, then we don't, we don't get the benefit of that. But every last one of you in here has a spiritual gift that God wants to utilize to best bless the body of Christ. But if you're sitting on that gift, you're hurting us as a body of believers. Are y'all with me today? So look at the last thing, right? We have great power that can be used for good or for evil. Words have great power that can be used for good or for evil. Remember the scripture that says death and life is in the power of the tongue and they that love it eat the fruit thereof. The, 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 the words that we speak have the ability to produce life or they'll produce death. And when we receive the seed of God's word into our hearts and it begins to to germinate and produce fruit, what will begin to happen is we'll begin to, to see that fruit in, in our individual actions, but it also comes from the words that are coming from our mouth. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth does what? It speaks. So when we begin to speak faith-filled words, when we begin to speak powerful words that are based on God's scripture, it can have positive impact in the lives of those who we come in contact with. The seed principle is very important. Because all, all of us have to recognize that, that we have that potential on the inside of us. All right, so, so look at your lesson, lesson illustration. Uh, the first illustration I want to read to you is about try, it's called trying to clean up the mess. Um, if, if, you know, prior to, you know, uh, back uh, 
back in the day, uh, before all this technology that we have now, uh, and uh, they're, they're of course, uh, when people who are dealing with mental health issues, they're, they're, they're more sophisticated ways of, of determining whether that person is, 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 is ready to, to exit that place where they're getting treatment or, uh, or, uh, or whether or not they need to stay a little bit longer. But here's what they used to do. What they would do to determine whether that person had the, the, the mental capacity to be able to leave, they would, they would, they would actually, it's kind of, kind of somewhat a crude way of determining that, but what they would do is they would put a stopper in the sink in the janitor's closet, and then they would turn the water on and let the sink overflow. And then they would send that person in there to go and to deal with the problem. And if that person went in there and, and kept trying to mop up the mess, mop, mop up the water without first turning the water off and removing the stopper, they know that person wasn't ready to leave. But if they went in and they removed the stopper, turned the water off, they knew that they had the mental capacity to be able to function and they allowed them to leave the place. Okay? But they don't do that now, but that was, that was one test that they gave to make sure that, that person was able to think properly. Alright? And, and again, why do I give you that illustration? Well, that's, that's kind of like many believers. There are too many of us or sort of like those mental patients where we spend all our time or an enormous amount of our time trying to mop up our mess rather than figuring out what's causing the mess. Are y'all listening to me? We spend all our time mopping up mess and we keep mopping up water, mess in our life, but we never take the time to, decide, to figure out what's causing the mess. If you never get to the root of the problem, all you'll ever deal with is the fruit. And you'll, you, you'll keep dealing with fruit all day long, year after year, month after month, because it'll keep producing when you don't kill the root. When we have mess in our life, deal with the root. If you cut the, and mess, and cut the root off, then the fruit has no chance to grow. So quit, tr- quit looking at the, just the fruit and deal with the root. People do that with financial problems. A lot of times people don't understand the root of their financial problems, so they keep dealing with the, the, the fruit and don't deal with the root. They, they'll, they'll, they'll run here, run there, uh, uh, think they can borrow their way out of debt. You can't borrow your way out of debt. Oh, y'all listen to me. Because here's the fallacy of that. If you borrow money from me to take care of that payment now, and you're going to pay me next week, but nothing has changed with your revenue, nothing has changed with your expenses, then next month you'll have all those same expenses, plus you owe me my $300, and I want my money. So until you deal with the root, you'll always stay in that hole because you cannot borrow and consolidate your way out of debt if you don't fix the problem. The problem is overspending and you don't, you haven't solved that problem. So when you consolidate, what do most people do because they didn't solve the problem? They consolidate the debt, get that lower monthly payment, and then what do they do? Get another card and charge it right. Am I right about it? Come on. They charge it right back up. And, and, and six months later, they, they write back in the same position, plus they got the debt consolidation loan. Guess why? They didn't fix the root. They were only dealing with the fruit. They knew that I needed some money right now to pay the rent. So let me borrow it from you, and I'll have it next month. But you, what's going to be different? Are you going to get more revenue? Are you going to cut some expenses? Because now you got the same thing you had this month, plus you owe me my $300. And guess what? I want my money. I'm just being facetious, y'all. But y'all, y'all, y'all get the point, right? Deal with the root in your life. Because if you, if you don't deal with the root, guys, it's going to keep coming back over and over again. Lastly, reception problem. How many of y'all have satellite TV? How many of y'all got direct TV, got satellite? Um, 
how many of y'all ever had a, 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 a message come up, no signal? That, that typically happens, especially when it rains. If it rains, if you got direct TV and it rains, a, th- a, a strong thunderstorm comes through, it says no signal, right? Guess what? What's happening? There's a disconnect. There's an interference between the satellite that's, that's circling up in the heavens there and your receiver that's down here in the back of your house. Something that's interfered with that signal. And a lot of times, guys, that's what's happening with us in our life. The seed of the word of God, it's been planted in us, Brittany. But sometimes we have interference that's causing it not to receive the signal of the word of God so it can it can produce what it needs to produce. God desires for each one of us to be in a position where the fruit of the seed of his word can produce, amen, the fruit in our lives so that we can be a blessing to others. My question to you today is, is what kind of soil is the seed of this word being planted in? If you've been dealing with the same mess for 20 years, something's not right. You had not got to the root of it. If you've been dealing with the same financial problem over and over again, something is not right. You haven't got to the root of it. You've been dealing with the same relationship problems over and over again. You, you have the same men problem, the same woman problem. See, like you get the same kind. You keep getting the same kind of dude. The same kind of dude who does the same thing to you. Then something is wrong with the way you're picking them. All right. Yeah, something is wrong with the way you're picking them. Something is wrong with the way you're picking them. And so whatever your, our problems are, guys, we have the capacity with the word of God to overcome them. But we cannot do it if we don't let the seed of the word of God get planted in the right type of soil and produce the fruit that God wants it to be producing in our life. He, every one of us doesn't have the potential. Let's let that potential take root and grow so that we can be the church that God wants us to be.